Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 10, 16 through eleven ten, called A Shoot Will Spring from the Stem of Jesse. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many people burdened tonight. So many people trying to be religious. So many people thinking that, yeah, if I just do that thing, I'll be having fun. I'll be living free. And they're under a yoke. And God says, I want to lift the yoke from you. That's the heart of God. God is not some ogre trying to ruin your good time because you know where all your good times led you, right? You became a servant of that thing. God says, no, my heart is to make you free. And if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. In 2 Samuel 1, David laments the death of Saul. 2 Samuel 1.21, look it up later. David says of Saul, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. He says of Saul, God pulled his presence from him. But God says, no, my people, I am with you. I'm Emmanuel. And because of the anointing that I've put on you, I will remove the yoke from your life. He has come against Ayath. Now we're gonna see the track of the Assyrians and we'll move quickly, but moving from the north to the south, and many believe Ayath is Ai, about 10, 15 miles north of Jerusalem. He has passed through Migron and Michmash. He deposited his baggage, or more likely he reviews or examines his weapons in preparation, 29. They've gone through the pass saying, Geba will be our lodging place. Ramah is terrified, and Gibeah of Saul has fled away. The picture is they're moving closer and closer to Jerusalem, and each people group that runs into them, which were kind of supposed to be places of strongholds and places to hold up armies, people are just running. They're running away. They're saying, no, I'm not gonna fight. You gonna fight him? No, bye. They're not protecting anything and closer and closer comes the army. And cry aloud with your voice, O daughter of Gollum. That's not from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Pay attention, Lasha. And wretched Anathoth, probably about five miles northwest of Jerusalem, closer they get. Uh, Madmanah has fled. The inhabitants of Gabim have sought refuge. They're all running away. Yet today, he will halt at Nob, some believe about a mile away from the holy city. He, Assyria, shakes his fist at the mountain of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. There he is. He can see it now. You're mine too. No one's going to stand against me. Israel will go down and the holy city will be mine. Have you heard that in the news lately? We'll push them into the sea. You know, we have world leaders today saying this, standing up on national television saying they want to eliminate a whole people group. And by the way, they're the little Satan. Guess what you are? You're the great Satan. And you are tied in, grafted in to uh, Israel. And our connection to Israel is unmistakable. And the United States is wrestling with what we should do. Should we bless those? Uh, Should we bless the one that God will bless? 
Should we stay true to Israel? Uh, yeah. To answer your question quickly, yeah, we ought to. Because I think that the United States has realized, and those who know their Bibles have realized, that we ought to be uh, behind Israel. And so he, here he is at the hill of Jerusalem. And behold, there's another player on the screen. The Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the bows, or the bow. This represents the king of Assyria. Okay, time to fight. Little square off time. Imagine you against the God of Israel. What kind of sword would you need to fight this battle? Imagine Jesus when he appears in the book of Joshua, chapter five, and Joshua is out walking around and he says, uh, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither. But as the commander of the Lord of hosts, the army of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. I'm not for you, I'm not for them, I'm for me. Whose side are you on, Joshua? I know where I'd plant my flag with the shiny one who's a warrior who's coming back with his old holy angels and flaming fire and says in Thessalonians to deal out retribution to those who do not obey the gospel. And the Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the bows with a terrible crash. And those also who are tall in stature will be cut down. And those who are lofty will be abased or brought low. And he will cut down the thickets. Thickets represent the army of Assyria of the forest with an iron axe. And Lebanon will fall, here's another name of God, by the mighty one. You know, human pride will eventually bring you low. And the king of Assyria has been pompous and he's been talking about himself and he's been pretty puffed up and God says, you're about to fall. I'm about to cut you down. I'm about to leave you as a stump in the forest. That's what happens. Remember John the Baptist when the uh, Pharisees came for baptism and he said, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them in a politically correct voice, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring fruit, forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And he says in the next verse, the ax is already at the root, right? It's uh, already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he talks about the winnowing fork of the Messiah. See, the, what's left here is a forest of stumps. It's a sad scene when there's only stumps, when there were big, growing, fruitful trees and then they're cut down. It's a pretty sad picture, but that's the metaphor. That's the picture. In my neighbor's yard, they have these huge trees and it blocks my view. And about every five years, they cut them down. And I'm grateful that they do, although it kind of changes everything. But they cut them down, and we have a view for a while. And then it, you see a little sprout come out of the trunk. You know, it's been sawed off. You know, they saw them all off. And then there's a little sprout that comes, a little kind of tiny little branch. You go, oh, that thing's making a little comeback. And then eventually, in a couple years, those trees are right back the way that they were. And from the disaster of discipline and destruction and judgment and fire and the ax at the root, I love it. The book of Isaiah turns from darkness to light every time just when you're going, oh no, I don't want to study this book anymore. God says, 
then a shoot, 11.1, a twig, a young growth, will spring forth, will spring from the stem of Jesse or from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. All this carnage and destruction and trees lopped off and smoking things, and you're thinking, man, it's over, it's done, and all of a sudden there's a little green growth. You say, what's that on the stump? And the writer says, that from all that's been cut down, this twig that begins to sprout, that's from the stump of Jesse. Who is Jesse? Jesse was the father of who? David. And David's line would bring forth the anointed one, the Messiah. And from what looks like this terrible loss and everything, there's no hope, everything's gone, all the trees are down, a little growth. And all of a sudden, the stump of Jesse. And the spirit, uh, notice the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to write in your Bible, if you're a note taker, write the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit right there. Because whenever you've seen that description of the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's from Isaiah 11.2. I want you to note it. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That's number one. That speaks of his person. And then you have three pairs making a total of seven from his person to his work. Notice, he will, it will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, one and two. The spirit of counsel and strength, excuse me, uh, counsel and strength, yes, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Did I pass up one of them? No, I I think I have them. The uh, seven-fold ministry of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and understanding, spirit, uh, the spirit of counsel and strength, and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now hold your place and go to Revelation chapter one. Revelation one. When the Spirit of the Lord rests on you, what happens? Well, I would say that you get a lot of wisdom and understanding, a lot of counsel and strength, and a lot of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. Look at Revelation 1, verse 4. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are those who read the book of Revelation. If you're afraid of the book of Revelation, stop being afraid. Read the book. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from what? The seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, some believe that that speaks of the uh, omnipotence or omniscience or the, the fullness of the spirit and some believe the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. Go to Revelation 3. Look at verse 1. Revelation 3, 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. Who's speaking? Jesus. What does he have? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Michael Lance says it at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week. And learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Look at Revelation 1, verse 4. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are those who read the book of Revelation. If you're afraid of the book of Revelation, stop being afraid. Read the book. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from what? The seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, some believe that that speaks of the uh, omnipotence or omniscience or the, the fullness of the Spirit, and some believe the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. Go to Revelation 3, look at verse 1. Revelation 3, 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. Who's speaking? Jesus. What does he have? He has the seven spirits of God. The spirit of the Lord will what? Rest upon him. He is the anointed one. What does the anointed one mean? Well, they, the Messiah means anointed one. Go to Acts 10. Look at verse 38. Peter's preaching addressing the house of Cornelius, and here's what he says about Jesus. Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was what? With him. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So John the Baptist is there and he's about to baptize Jesus. And the heavens open. And the Father says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And like a dove, in the form of a dove, the Spirit comes and what? Rests on him. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. Go back to Isaiah and we'll finish it up. Why the emphasis here? Well, because as a believer, guess what happens to us? We 
are born again of the Holy Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the key to our victory in Jesus Christ is whether or not we walk in what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Be ye kept being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have the spirit of wisdom, because this is the sevenfold ministry of him, and understanding, put those together as pair number one. You will have the spirit of counsel and strength, number two. And you will have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Since the spirit of the Lord has come into your life, and rested on you, if you will. Do you have more wisdom and understanding? You know, if you have the Spirit of God and a good working knowledge of the Scriptures, you are truly a wise person. Number two, do you have the Spirit of counsel and strength? Are you smarter than you were before? Now, this is also the work, obviously, the first, first and foremost, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and He is the ultimate counselor. And by the way, God doesn't give advice. He gives counsel. There's a difference. He's not suggesting things. You know, you might want to think about this. He's not like, he doesn't have you in the chair and, you know, throwing out option A, B, or C. When he gives counsel, he says, do this. This is more than just a holy suggestion. I'm telling you what to do to be wise. He will give you counsel. He will give you strength. Because when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the words to describe that is the dunamis of God, right? And we will have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of what? Wisdom and knowledge. Go to Isaiah 61. So Jesus is there in Nazareth. The scroll of Isaiah is handed to him as a rabbi. He finds the section in Isaiah 61. And he reads it. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah 61.1. Because the Lord has, what? Anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, Isaiah 61.1, to proclaim liberty, to take the yoke off the captives. Think of what we're talking about with Assyria and Israel. And freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, think of Assyria again, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. Trees that are strong because they will be planted by the living water and constantly yielding their fruit in their season. They will be the planting of who? The Lord. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that who may be glorified? That he may be glorified. Are you producing fruit right now? If so, it's because you're the planting of the Lord. Don't get puffed up. <laughs> it's his fruit. It's his power. But that's what the Spirit of the Lord does. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He is the one who gives strength to the weary. Go back and we'll finish. I planned on doing more, but we're almost out of time. You're supposed to say, no, keep going, Pastor Michael, keep going. No? I know. (laughs) And he will delight, verse 3, chapter 11, refers to the sense of smell or the sense of incense. He will delight in the fear of the Lord, speaking of Jesus here specifically. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. That means he won't judge just by the outward. God doesn't look at just the outward. He looks at what? The heart. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor. That means act on their behalf and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with a rod of his mouth. Think of Revelation 19 when he comes. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Think of 2 Thessalonians 2. When Jesus appears, he will bring the Antichrist to to an end with the breath of his mouth and the appearance of his coming. And then we get a picture of the coming kingdom. And righteousness will be the belt about his loins. We'll cover this next week, but I'll just read the end of it. Faithfulness, the belt about his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. It seems the picture is a little boy leading all of these formerly wild animals. And he's leading a little parade of them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Wouldn't it be cool to have a pet lion and know that he'd never eat you? That'd be pretty cool. And the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then it will come about in that day that the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, Jesus, who will stand as a signal for the peoples. And his resting place will be glorious. You've been listening to A Shoot Will Spring from the Stem of Jesse, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 16 through 11:10. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. And if you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find that channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, it's always wonderful to see the promises in Scripture in the book of Isaiah about this coming one who would come from the stem of Jesse, from the line of David, the Messiah, who would come to save and restore and bring hope uh, to a world that is often hopeless. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and you are listening to Walk in Truth. And one of the things we do as a ministry is we do something called 633. These are apologetic events that we do throughout the year to tackle very important subjects of our day. Now, on January 23rd, this is uh, called Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so we often will talk about the topic of life and life in the womb, life uh all the way to the tomb, if you will, from the womb to the tomb. 
the preciousness and sanctity, holiness of human life, undeniable in Scripture, and something that God cares, obviously, a lot about. And we know it is an ongoing debated issue in our time, the issue of abortion, the issue of euthanasia, and things in between as well. And so Scott Klusendorf, who uh, is really one of the leading apologetic voices on the issue of life and making a cogent, articulate defense for life uh, with a biblical definition, but he gets into the science and gives you really uh, well-reasoned arguments. And Scott is going to be at Living Truth Christian Fellowship for both Sunday morning services. Now, these happen at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and he's also going to come to do a 6.33 training event in the evening of January 23rd. So we would love for you to join us. We're going to have a time of worship in the evening as well. We'll have a Q&A time and a time to equip you and train you about how to really make a good sound defense for life in the marketplace of ideas. Now, you can find out more about this event when you go to walkintruth.com. Just check it out right there. You can get all the information, driving directions to the church. Maybe you'd like to join us for the morning and the evening services. You can get directions, service times, and all that you need at walkintruth.com. Well, we will catch you next time right here. And just remember, if you're not in the area, the uh, services that I just mentioned will live stream on our YouTube channel. Check out everything at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you next time. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah 12 called The Wells of Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.